Hello, everybody. My name is Bill Keever, and I want to welcome you to our podcast, Practical Wisdom from the Word of God. I believe the Bible is a book that God gave to us that's full of insights, wisdom, promises, and many other things that help us live daily life. So join me for the next few minutes as we look into the Word of God to find that practical wisdom we need today. Well, praise God. Welcome again to Practical Wisdom from the Word of God. My name is Bill Kiefer, and I'm blessed that you joined us today. We've been talking about some things that I think are very important. We've been talking about the tremendous potential that God has placed in the heart of every believer to live in a victorious life for themselves, but more important possibly than that, not possibly, definitely more important than that, is our ability to bring God into every circumstance and situation, not only for ourselves, but for everyone around us that's open to receive from him. And so uh, we've looked at a number of things. We've looked at the, the fact that we are to be supernatural people in the natural world, that while we live here, we have a connection to heaven as well and to God directly. I mean, we need to understand that that's the truth. I have a direct line to Almighty God in my spirit, and so do you if you've been born again. And we'll talk more about that in a little bit, uh, but we talked about the fact that there's a kind of knowledge, information that can come to us that comes from a place that is not limited to natural things. We may gain natural knowledge, natural information, but there's a kind of knowledge and information that comes from God that can both clarify that natural information and give us things that we couldn't even know in the natural. So we've talked a lot about that. Right now we're talking about another way or another necessity if we are going to live as supernatural people in the natural world and release the potential God placed in us, and that is faith in God. Now, last time we talked about some important things. Uh, the, the question, can our faith increase and decrease? Uh, and I believe that the Bible is clear. You can look back in the last podcast or, or the blogs that I put up. There's a connection to them under the podcast. But at any rate, uh, I do believe that, that faith can increase and faith can decrease. Uh, I believe that our faith is important. I, n- we need to remember something before we even talk about the next steps of faith, and that is the origin of faith, the foundation of faith, the most important aspect of faith is that rest in our trust and and confidence that God loves us, that God is taking care of us, that God is there, that God is going to do things in my life for the best and for purpose. However, the Bible is also full of things called promises. Why is the Bible full of promises if we're not to believe actively those promises? Uh, the New Testament is full of examples of people, particularly in the Gospels, where Jesus said to them, your faith made you whole, your faith made you well. And so there's something about our faith. He said to a, a father of a sick boy in John chapter, I mean, Mark chapter 9, he said that uh, uh, it came down to the point where the man was talking finally to Jesus. There's a a lot in that story, but he said to Jesus, if you can do anything for me, please help me. Jesus' answer to him was, if you can believe, all things are possible to them who believe. The question is not, can God do it? The question is, can you believe it? Now, some people immediately get offended, say, well, you're just saying I don't have enough faith. You're just saying I'm not as good as you. That has nothing to do with it. As a matter of fact, this whole line of thinking and why I'm doing this is because of someone that uh, that grew up in my ministry and I think is a, a solid 
person and and I, I'm not speaking negatively at all. He said to me, do you believe, since since you believe that we need to grow in faith and get more faith, and when you say we don't have enough faith, do you believe that that means we just have to get to a certain level of faith to where we fl- finally please God enough that he'd move for us? And I was appalled. He asked, and my answer was, absolutely not. God is our Father. He loves us. And that got me to thinking about how I have and others have expressed this idea of growing in faith and even what faith is. So I want to take some time. I've got a lot of material here that I'm going to try and go through quickly. I'm going to put a link both in our blog and also uh, when uh, on the podcast, there's an information place you can go uh, to, to see the title, to see emails, to see a bunch of things. I'm going to put a link to a book that I wrote called Faith Origins and Application that kind of breaks all this down. But very quickly, I want to look at a certain aspect, and I want to look at Hebrews chapter 11, first of all with verse 3, because you see, faith does not begin with man. Faith does not begin with the fall of man or or even with Jesus. Faith began in creation. The Bible says, By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. God, in this in this verse, there's kind of a dual meaning here. One meaning, and the one that probably would be more... Uh, readily accepted is that we understand that God created everything by faith. And I think that's absolutely true. I don't believe, for instance, that we will ever find absolute natural proof that God created everything. There are a lot of indicators. There are a lot of things that you can look at that point to that. But to say that there's going to be one thing or a number of things that absolutely irrevocably prove that God created, even if you can get people to accept that there was some kind of, of design to creation, uh, they, they rarely will accept that the God of the Bible is the one that created it. The only way that we believe that, the only way that I know that, is that it says it right here, and it says it in Genesis chapter 1. God created the heavens and the earth. I believe that. And although all of the natural things that come, I like to read them, I like to hear about proofs and and things in nature that point to it, and Paul even talked about that, but the bottom line is, I believe it because God said it. And so by faith, I understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. But there is something, another way to look at this, by faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. You see, the punctuation was not a part of the original languages, either in Greek nor in Hebrew. And so you can punctuate this a little differently, and it says something dif- uh, slightly differently. By faith, comma, we understand that the worlds were framed, or by faith, comma, we understand, comma, that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. I believe not only do we understand the truth of it by faith, but I believe it was by faith that God created by a process that bridges the gap between the natural and the supernatural. God made what we see, everything around us. God made it. God created it. And he created it from something that did not appear. It didn't say something invisible. It says something that did not appear. There was a place where what God created existed, and that was in his heart, in his in His mind, in, in the deepest part of him. He saw, if you will, something that would be 
that was his desire, something he wanted to see happen. And then that thing which was not seen, God created. Now, uh, it's very interesting if you look at the first verse of Hebrews 1. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Isn't that interesting when you connect it with verse 3 that God created what we see of something that's not seen? Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. What was it God hoped for? He wanted not a world, not a universe. And this is pivotal to understanding faith and understanding what's going on in the world today. God wanted a family. In Genesis 1 verse 26, he says, let us create man in our image and in our likeness. That idea of creating someone in your own image and likeness, that is the expression of a family. Listen, I know there are times where children are born and it's not under the best circumstances, but I can tell you that when we had our children, although we didn't expect all of them, we wanted all of them because we wanted to bring people into the world in our image and in our likeness so that they would be like us so that they could carry on what we were. And so God, when he created this whole thing, what he wanted on the inside of him, what he saw was a family. And in line with that family, he saw a place for him to live. Hallelujah. They couldn't be like him in the sense of almighty. They couldn't be like him in the sense of ruling the whole uh, spiritual universe. So he created a physical universe and he put them in there so that they could have some limited, very, very limited idea of what God was, and they were in his image and likeness. Then in verse 28, he says to them, have dominion. In 26, he actually says, have dominion. I'm going to give them dominion over the whole earth. And in 28, speaking to them, he says, God bless them. God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over every living thing that moves on the earth. God gave them dominion. God gave them rule. Dominion means the same thing in the Hebrew that it does in the English. It means to dominate or have dominion or rule over something. And then in the 28th verse where he says, I want you to uh, to fill this thing that I will create or that I have created, and I want you to subject it. Now, subjugate it. What is it that we're supposed to fill it with? The children that would be born to us, but they're not just our children. They're God's children. Hallelujah. The children, the people that would be born through the first two that were created, God says, I want you to fill the earth with these people. There were only two to start with, but God wanted the earth to be filled with them. Why? Because he created it for them. Hallelujah. Then God says, subjugate the earth. That's an interesting way to put it. What is it supposed to be subjugated to? Now, here's something that's very important for us to understand faith and understand how we're to flow in the things of God. It is God's will and God's word that created this universe. It is God's will and God's word that will change it. What are we supposed to subjugate it to? Not our will, never our will uh, alone. It's it, it can be, if we align our will with God's will and God's word, then it is our will. But it's God's word and God's will that man was supposed to bring to this, this world, this universe that was created. Now, when creation first happened, there was no hindrance 
to what God wanted. He saw it in his heart. He spoke it. We we know it in Genesis chapter 1. God said, let there be, let there be, let there be. He released. The first thing he said was, God said, let there be light. And light was the basic building block. Science tells us that all matter is built from light. Then he began to take what he released In other words, the creation was there in the form of light, but then he took light and he began to manipulate it. He began to make it into day and night and land and seas and animals and all those things. So we see a principle here that not only does the word of God and the will of God spoken into this natural world uh, create it, not only did it create it, but it was able to form it. It was able to manipulate it. It was able to change it into certain things and take light and make it into all these things that we see. So there is a principle, God's word created, but God's word also is able to change what was created. Keep that in mind. Now, in the initial creation, there was no hindrance to that. In the initial creation, it was just God speaking to the creation. But once he created man and gave him dominion, things changed because dominion meant rule. And so God's desire was that man would continue. He told Adam to keep the garden. That word keep means to rule it and make it protected, uh, make it productive and protect it. And so he said, I'm giving you a job. This is your place to make productive. This is your place to protect. This is your place with the word dominion to have rule over. How was he going to do that? He was going to do it the same way God created and the same way God formed and manipulated this, the rest of the world to be what we see now. He was going to do it by, listen to this closely, by his connection, his divine connection. When man was created, he was joined in his spirit to God. And by that connection, it was pure. It was open. In the third chapter, when things went awry, we see that God came to walk and talk with them in the cool of the day. Now, I don't know if that's the only time God did that or not. I would It would seem unlikely. But I can tell you that their connection had been so pure and clear that whether he came walking and talking to them. He was in communication. They were flowing together. They were one together. And he would then communicate what his word said, what his will was for the earth that they were living in. And they would then convey that to the earth. That's the way the process worked. You can't, you really can't come to any other conclusion if you, if you, if you believe what the words say, dominion, subjugate, fill, all of those things imply that man was to be the channel through which those things happened. That didn't mean that God stopped being sovereign. Listen, I want you to know something about our understanding of God. We know so much, but there is a whole lot more about God that we don't know than we do know. And so God gives us principles that we can trust and we can operate within, but God always reserves the right to do things that are not outside of those principles, never outside of those principles, but sometimes above those principles or in an area that we do not understand them. But as far as we understand them, man was to have dominion and God was going to rule through man. God was going to be a co-worker with man. Why, Why would he do that? Because he wanted children. Listen, God had angels. He didn't need any more puppets. He didn't need any more robots. He wanted someone in his image and likeness. And he put us in this earth and he said, rule it, have dominion over it, subjugate it, fill it. 
It's yours to do with, not as you please. The original design was it's yours because you will become my channel into that. His will, his word, his purpose. That is the pivot point in all of this. All right. So we start out with God speaking directly to the creation. He creates man and puts him in a unique position. And he begins to begins to reveal to man what he wants to, to have happen in the earth. And through man, man now becomes the channel of God's power to the earth. But remember, it's based in God's word and God's will. Not Adam doesn't just get to go out and say whatever he wants and, oh, wow, it happens. No, 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 no. It's he becomes a channel for the creative word of God, for the creative will of God that made everything, that changed it into what we see, and he becomes a channel that through which that power can flow to the earth. Now, Genesis 3 messes the whole thing up. In Genesis chapter 3, we see that God, uh, or that the devil came into this equation. Satan came into the, to the, to the garden. Uh, he was always there, but Satan came to Eve, and he said to her, God has been lying to you. If you eat from this tree, a tree that God had said don't eat from. There were two trees. One was the tree of life, and they were able to eat from that. I mean, think about that. What was the tree of life? We don't all completely know what it was, but it had to do with the life of God. I want to eat that tree. Hallelujah. But he said, there's another tree. I don't want you to eat from that one. And that tree is called the knowledge of the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. And uh, so uh, the devil comes to Eve and he says, God's holding back from you. He said, he knows if you eat from that tree that you're going to be like him. Listen, listen to me. They already were like God. They were created in his image and likeness. Hallelujah. It's the same lie the devil uses today. It's the same lie the devil uses to manipulate people. It's the same lie the devil uses to keep people in bondage generally and to make our Christian uh, lives limited and powerless. It's the lie that God withheld something. If you eat of that tree, he says to her, you will be like God. He knows it. And that's why he doesn't want you to eat of it. That was a lie. But she began to contemplate that lie. Many times lies, the devil is a master liar and he can make them sound pretty good. He can make them sound plausible. And so in her thought that this might be plausible, she took the fruit and she ate of it. In that moment, there was a change that began. Now, it wasn't, it wasn't fully uh, done at that point, but she gave it to her husband, Adam, who had been given dominion uh, in the initial creation, and he ate of it. And so together, when they were to combine, I believe they were combined in that dominion, but when they both ate of that fruit, something happened. Something changed on the inside of them. And although I don't really have time to go into it in its fullness, let me just say to you that what happened, and you can read about it, you can look it up, you can pray about it yourself. What happened in that moment was twofold. Number one, their inward connection to God was broken. God had said to them, in the day you eat of that tree, you will die. But if you look at the Hebrew, it really says, in dying, you will die. It points to two deaths. 
what died when she took that bite. And when he took that bite, it was their connection to God. It was that part of them that was alive to God. It went dark. It went black. And the second aspect of what happened in that sin is that God had given them dominion, but they submitted that dominion to another spirit being. His name is Satan. Peter calls him the devil in 1 Peter 5, 8, and they submitted to him. Now, when that happened they were their connection to god was broken they were not able to hear god the way they used to and the whole world changed and began to be reformed now not the earth god god owns the earth but the system that controlled it was turned from god's uh, was taken out of god's hands and given into the hands of the devil and society and culture and so many of the things that we see that we scratch our head and think how could people even do that all came from that fall, that change of nature. In Ephesians, Paul says we became by nature children of wrath. Something happened inside of us. And so from that day until, now in Romans 5, it says until the law. What was the law? The law was a limited way for God to get back into connection with his people or for people to get back into connection with God. People say uh, the law and grace are two opposites. That's not true. The law was grace. It was as far as grace could go before Jesus. And so the law broke this a little bit, but the truth is that God's will, remember, let's go back. In the beginning, when he created this, it was just God speaking into this, into whatever, uh, into nothing that created this. Let's put it that way. Then he created man, and, and it was God speaking to man, man speaking to the creation. Now that inward connection has been broken. And so many things happen over the course of the Old Testament. But let's move on up to Jesus, because what Jesus did was pay the full and total price for what Adam did. Hallelujah. He restored our ability ability to have connection to God. Now, God does not override our free will. God, what God did through Jesus was give us back our choice. Hallelujah. We don't have to be bound to Satan anymore. We don't have to be subject to the world system anymore. We don't have to be limited to just what our natural lives, our natural thinking, our natural abilities can, can obtain or can provide in, in the world, not only for us, but for those around us. We can choose to say, Jesus, I believe that your sacrifice was for me. Hallelujah. Romans 10, 9 and 10. And I accept that sacrifice for me and I submit myself. This is the second part that people don't always put in there, but I submit myself to you, Jesus, as the Lord of my life. You see, we're reversing what happened under the fall. Hallelujah. Under the fall, Paul, uh, not Paul, Adam put himself under the dominion of Satan. But in Christ, we say, no, I don't want that anymore. I accept you, Jesus, as the Lord of my life. And we are ascended again above the devil. G uh, Paul said concerning our relationship with Jesus that we are seated far above all powers and principalities in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. When we accept his lordship. It elevates us above what happened to Adam. But there is another dimension to this. 
I, I talked uh, at our church recently about the, uh, the reality of being born again. It is not some mythical thing, mystical thing. It is something that happens to us. We are born again. When I believe that Jesus was raised from the dead and confessed with my mouth, Jesus is Lord, something happens inside me. The reversal the reversal of what happened in Satan happens in me. And that part of me that was connected to God comes alive again. Hallelujah. And once again, if you are saved, I want you to know, I'm going to say it again. You have a divine connection with God. He can talk to you. You can talk to him. He can show you things. He can, you can feel his presence if you become, or if you, uh, if you yield yourself to be sensitive to that. But you see, along with that, and we've talked about this before, so I'm not going to go into too much detail, but what then must happen? I am alive inwardly. Faith is natural to me inwardly. I hear a promise from God in my spirit, and my spirit says, yes, that's what, that's the truth, and, and, and receives it as truth. But there is a problem because my soul and my body need to begin to have the same connection. My soul and my body are still joined to the world, still joined to the outward. Maybe the world is not the right choice of words, but still joined to our culture, still joined to everything we've been trained. Listen, we were trained from the time we were little children to believe the things that the world offers, to believe the visible, physical truth over any kind of supernatural inward truth. We have been trained by a culture that, that largely, and, and not always, not in every aspect, and I don't mean everything about human culture is wrong, but, but largely has been designed and programmed and put into place by God's enemy and yours, Satan. And we've been trained by that. And the Bible says something, Paul says something very interesting in 1 Corinthians 2.14, but the natural man that part of us that's still outside, the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, but they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. We have got to come to the place where that connection that was between God and man in the garden. See, in the garden, there, there was no problem of the soul. There was no problem of what they had learned or bad memories or, or any of the stuff that comes into our brains and into our minds and our soul and our life. But now that's different. I'm alive inwardly, but I have got to learn how. Oh, hallelujah. Listen, we are born again as babies. Everybody loves babies, but, but nobody wants anybody to stay a baby. You got to grow up to be effective, to be a child of your parents, and to go out into the world and take your place. You have got to grow up. And that's exactly what I'm talking about. We are born again as babies, and that part of us that's inside has a hard time taking control of that part of us that has been educated a totally different way. Paul says it this way, we need to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. We've talked about this by how we think, not just what we think. And so what about faith? How does faith, what is faith really? When I say you need more faith, what am I really saying? I'm saying that the connection between the inward and the outward needs to become more sure. It needs to become more reliable. It needs to become clearer. It's uh, in one way, it's as if there's a pipe and there's power that can flow through it, but there's all kinds of debris between the origin of the, the, 
water, if you will, in the pipe and where the water needs to go. We need to clear out that clutter. We need to clear out all those things that are blocking it. The Bible says here and is speaking about the world, but not just the world. It's speaking about us too. We cannot understand the things of God are foolishness when we try and understand them with our natural mind. They don't make any sense. So we've got to, over a period of time, begin to clear out the clutter, begin to clean up the connection. Begin. It's in there in us. I'm not saying you're not connected. I'm saying the connection from the inward man to the outward man. That's what really happens to, in, in this process that we call faith. And when you make that connection between the outward man and the inward man, then the connection between the God that's in you and the world that you live in becomes more clear, more viable, and we can be again the channel of the power of God to the earth. Now remember, <laughs> it's not your will. Jesus said, not my will, but yours be done. It's not your will. It's not my will. It's God's will. And we can know God's will because we can know his word. That's why the written word of God is so important. It never changes. Sure, there may be problems in translation. Sure, we need to grow in our understanding, but it never changes. It's always the same. It's always there. And through that word, we can begin to clear out the clutter. We can begin to clean up the connection. We can look at it like electricity. If you've ever had a car that had a dirty uh, battery terminal and you turn the car over and it just won't start, you go out there, you just clean up that... Most of the time, the negative terminal, you clean that terminal up or both of them and you put them back on, crank up that car and it runs perfectly. That's what we're talking about. Is there a problem in our connection? Are our wires a little corroded? Is there some rust from the world when we look at the word of God and we think, I don't understand how that can be true? That is that corruption. That's that blockage. How do we get rid of it? We think about the word. Now, uh, it's the word primarily, but we also might use the term promise, particularly if we are, uh, if we are, if there's something that we need, if there's something we're praying for, and we just can't seem to grasp that God can and will do it. There comes a place. Listen, this is not mental exercise here. Something happens when that connection gets cleaned up. You you don't work anything up. You simply believe. You simply know that it's true. That's what we want. How do we get there? Well, uh, there are a number of things, and I'm just going to list them. We are we we get there. We do this cleaning up, this this cleaning away of the debris by reading the word, listening to the word, hearing teachings, particularly promises. We study the word for ourselves. We meditate on the word, think about it, keep it in our heart and mind. We talked about that. Practice the word, both in action and a lifestyle. There are certain things maybe that you can do. The Bible says given, it shall be given unto you. So if you need finances to come into your life, find some place to give and then begin to meditate on that and thank God that that promise, that promise is true. Give and it shall be given unto you. So we we do that those things. But more important sometimes than just the actions of faith in relation to the promise is building the lifestyle. I've got to do what God wants me to do. I've got to obey his word. Uh, we're fond of saying I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Absolutely true. But we need to realize we also should not do the things that God says not to do. So if God calls us sin, don't don't do it. If God says, do not lie, don't lie. If God says, you should be uh, you should be applying yourself in life, then apply yourself. If God says, whatever that may be that you find in the word that God says concerning lifestyle, let your lifestyle conform to that. That in itself cleans up the channel. That in itself makes the connection easier to make. Meditate in the word, practice the word until the word says 
until what the word says is no longer foolishness, but obvious reality. Now, I feel like people could say, well, that's, that's, that's not real. I don't see how that could be that important. But you know what? Every bad ideology has been commuted to people in the same way, and good ideologies for that matter. They, you know, Hitler knew, give me your youth, I'll train them up and they'll think like I think. Communism did the same thing. The same thing is happening, I, I'm sorry to say, in the United States of America today through the educational system and the corruption that's been allowed in there. They say it over and over and over and over and over and over and over until people start to believe it. Until people look at the truth and they don't see truth anymore. Until they look at reality and, and only see it through the prism of what they've been told over and over and over and over and over again. Now, in the human realm, that's manipulation. That is people trying to, uh, trying to uh, warp people's thinking to a particular point of view. But when we're talking about the things of God when we're talking about meditating in the Word of God, if you accept that He's real, if you accept that He created everything, then what's happening is God is unwarping us, not warping us. God is putting things back right so that what He's done inside of us can express itself on the outside. And when that connection is made, and there's more I think that we'll talk about, but when that connection is made, that's called faith. And things that we see inwardly, faith is the substance of things hoped for, what we see inwardly, and the evidence of things that are not seen, what we see in the Word is the evidence, and that can begin just like it did in creation. Things will change. Now, they don't change exactly the way we want them to. They don't. Uh, sometimes our, cre- our connection is, is good but not great, uh, but God uses whatever He can to help us and to bring us to the place He wants us to be. So sometimes things don't work exactly like we think they should, but when we cultivate that connection, they work better then they will if we do not. That's what faith is about. It's not coming to a place where God is finally looking at us, okay, okay, you've, you've gotten there. I can, I can do something for you now because now you finally please me. Nothing to do with that. It's allowing our outward lives to be so connected to the God who lives in us that he can flow through us. Well, I'm way out of time. God bless you. Have a great day in the Lord. Think on these things, study these things, and we'll talk to you again soon. This podcast is an outreach of Living Word International, a division of Intercession Ministries. If you'd like to contact us, please email livingwordintgreen at gmail.com. That's livingwordintgreene at gmail.com. Have a great day.